0: praise God, to a verse-by-verse study on the book of Romans, praise God. And we're going to continue where we left off in Romans chapter number 2, verse number 1, in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul begins to say, Thou therefore art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgeth, for wherein thou judgeth another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgeth doeth the same thing. Let me just express that in natural language. You, therefore, are inexcusable, inexcusable, oh man, whosoever you are that judges, for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judge, do the same thing. Okay? Now, for context purpose to understand this statement, this word, therefore, is a build-up word. It means that someone has conveyed a degree of knowledge or a degree of an, an ex, uh, uh, they have shared some kind of exhortation, some kind of word, some kind of discourse before, and they're saying because of these things or therefore, okay? And so chapter 2, verse 1 is a buildup off of what was emphasized in chapter number 1, which ends in verse 32. In verse 32, we're talking about knowing the judgment of God, okay? Knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Okay? Now, the judgment of God correlates to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. Okay? So the wrath of God is revealed through God's judgment okay, against all ungodliness and righteousness of man. So as we go to verse number 32, I want to share this thought with you, as it relates to uh, committing such things. Okay, and if you're listening in, I just want you to say uh, that out loud: committing such things worthy of death. Okay, because in verse number 32, you have two different emphases. You have you have one tier of of sin that that procures its own judgment, which is committing such things worthy of death. So it's those who are guilty of those actions. But then you also have this other tier of judgment at the end of verse 32 when he says, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's an entirely different tier of judgment. So we have one tier of judgment that relates to committing the acts. And there's another tier of judgment that relates to uh, not just struggling, but being demonically or kind of beastly, naturally, or fleshly driven to not just do those things, but to encourage them, to be excited about them, and also to have pleasure in everyone that continues in those things that were recorded um, in Romans chapter number 1, really verse number 28 through 32, about the judgment of God coming against. So there are two different things, doing them and having pleasure in them that do them. Now, the, the natural mind would say, if I'm going to go to hell for doing them, then why is it so bad to also take pleasure in them that do them as well? Since, you know, I'm going to hell anyway. I will, I'm experiencing the wrath of God, the judgment of God anyway. So if I'm going to go out by doing them, why not also go all the way out and take pleasure in them that do them and go out with a bang? Since I'm getting the same thing, uh, the truth of the matter is, you don't always get the same thing in eternity. Okay, uh, there are different levels of torment. There are different levels of punishment. There are different levels of of uh, of torture. You know, uh, in hell as it relates to um, those who uh, miss the kingdom, those who go to Broadway, and those who do not end up in eternity with the Father. Uh, I think Jesus was very clear that some people will be beaten with few stripes, and some people can be beaten with many stripes. Okay, and so it's not a one shoe fits all. Even when it comes to those who miss the kingdom, there are different levels of of, uh, of vengeance, of retribution, of punishment than one with experience. And now none of them are good, but yet and still, some are more terrible than the rest. Okay? And so Paul makes this distinction here uh, when he begins to talk about the judgment of God, uh, of how terrible this condition is to continue in these particular uh, sinful natures and expression. But he also talks about this, this other tier that's more uh, probably the base and more evil and more uh, proud than them all, which is to not just do these things, But to be so driven in darkness that they begin to become excited and get joy out of those who do them as well, debased. Okay? So, verse 2, chapter number 2, verse 1, picks up by saying, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man. Okay? Now, this word inexcusable means without defense. Okay? It means that this is a position. That cannot even be defended. Okay, uh, it means that when it comes to the courtroom of heaven, there is no defense, there is no attorney, there is no advocate that will ever take this case because it is indisputable. Okay, so what we're talk about to talk about in chapter number two, verse number one, is there's no basis for a defense against. There's no basis to question, to fight, to argue, or to state a case against it. Therefore, you are inexcusable or without a defense, O man, whosoever you are that Okay. So he went on to say, for wherein you judgeth another, you condemn yourself. For you that judgeth doeth the same thing. Now, I want to explain this because there's so many scriptures in the Bible about judging. What I want to bring out to you is the context of this scripture, okay? I want to say in the context of this scripture, it's important to understand this, this particular verse is talking about exalting yourself to a position of judgment, to govern, to pass sentence, to discriminate, to... Give edict to give verdict, okay? Exalting yourself to a position or a seat of authority of judgment that has not been given to you legally by God, okay? Or by an authoritarian. So if we we taught in our leadership about the measure of the gift and the measure of rule, it's trying to exalt oneself in a rule of jurisdiction to govern or to pass judgment or to give some kind of sentence against another, um, that's not given to us legally by God or legally by God's representatives, okay? This word judge means to separate, to put a asunder, to pick out, to approve, but I, I like this one right here because this is one that relates to us all. And it means to be of opinion. Say that with me, to be of opinion. Okay? It also means to think. So we have to stay away from having opinions about people, about things, about situations, uh, about um, you don't always have to have an opinion. And in a lot of cases, it's, it's important not to have any opinion at all if God has not given us jurisdiction in that arena, okay? Because where we don't have responsibility, we don't have a right of opinion, where we don't have legal responsibility, okay? Now, as it relates to people that you look at, uh, we form opinions a lot of times about, uh, you know, family members, about people, about brothers and sisters in Christ, about coworkers, about strangers, about people we do know, people we don't know. And that's not always a wise thing to do, if there is not some form of jurisdiction there. Okay, if that's not a child, uh, if if that's not uh, someone that God has placed us over, if we don't have any practical responsibility there, and so Paul is addressing this. He said, "Who art thou, O man? Okay, or thou art inexcusable, O man, that judgeth another. Okay, another." Definition for judgment is to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong, okay? It also means to summon a person to a trial, to rule, to govern, to preside over with power of giving judicial decisions, okay? Uh, And so a couple more words for judgment, to call in question, to condemn, to punish, to avenge, to conclude. Think about that. Just coming to conclusions about people. Now, I want you to think about opinions and conclusions because usually opinions lead to conclusions, okay? And it's important that we learn how to be innocent in our mind, okay, and to be very, very pure in our mind, to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves when it comes to our thought life toward others and against others as well, Okay? so as not to avenge, so as not to condemn, so as not to try to judge, so as not to try to call into question another person. It doesn't matter uh, what they're doing. The question is, are they accountable to you or not? Okay? Uh, are they accountable to you or not? Okay? And it doesn't mean that we can't encourage a person toward righteousness. It doesn't mean we can't you know, offer correction or counsel or to exhort one another to move in a particular direction along this line. But to to judge means to pass a sentence against, to try, to punish, to condemn, to conclude, or to have a settled opinion toward. So we have already passed a sentence, okay, sort of speak. So passing a sentence towards someone or condemning or having a set conclusion about them and encouraging them and correcting them and exhorting them to do better. It's two, ty- two totally different things, and that's the balance between the two. And so the Bible says, Whosoever thou that judgeth for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you, do, for you that judge, you do the same things. Okay. Now, it's important to, um, to make sure that, uh, well, in verse number one, the Apostle Paul is addressing hypocrisy. He's basically saying that if we were guilty of a particular thing, then we don't have a right to check someone else in that as well. Okay, and he's saying that you know if we set ourselves up to be critical, uh, to be contentious, to be uh, have opinions about everyone's life, to call in question everything that they do. And to point out all their imperfections and to, you know, to to come up with these consummations toward these particular people, then we have to realize that to the degree that we do that, that God himself places us uh, in that same interrogation seat as he sits on the seat of judgment as well, okay? And so if we're going to go there, then we have to make sure that our life is squeaky clean and that our ways are very upright before him when we position ourselves to have opinions and to have conclusions and to pass judgments against people that God has not given us the authority to. Praise God. Or over or any rule to govern. Praise God. Um, And so we have to stay away from judgment without measure. He said that if you... Pass a sentence against someone else and you do the same, then that condemnation comes back to us, okay? Again, if we pass a sentence against someone else and we're guilty of the same, then that condemnation comes back to us. Why? Because we didn't show mercy, so it's not right that we receive mercy shown to us, okay? We didn't sow understanding or compassion, so it's not right. That it comes back to us so we have to make sure when we're moving those arenas that those things are done verse number two it says but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things okay now this word sure means to proceed with the eyes so it really means to see clearly so we're going back to what Jesus said you know who are thou the judgment of another man you know do it the same, and he said, "Well, how behold is the mote in your brother's eye? And you have a plank in your eye. You know, first remove the plank in your own eye. You will see clearly to mm-hmm. remove the mote out of your brother's eye." Okay, and so this word "sure" means to perceive with our eyes, and my emphasis that I want to put up on it by revelation of the Holy Spirit it means to have a clear heart ourselves and to be free of the things on the inside of us to be able to perceive clearly uh, the judgment of God. Now, verse number two deals with uh, the error of man to try to do what only God himself is here to do, which is to to reveal his wrath, verse 18, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, And, and against verse 32, to sit as judge of all and to judge everything, praise God, that is worthy of death, and also those who take pleasure in doing the same. These are things that God is about. God is about these things. He is Father, but he is also a judge of all. He's the ancient of days. These are things that God himself does do and will continue to do as the judge of all, praise God. He is the judge of the living and the dead. So verse 2 deals with man's error of exalting themselves to take it upon themselves to try to operate in ways to pass punishment, vengeance, condemnation, and opinions on others, which is not our right to do unless God has included us, okay, uh, in a particular uh, realm of responsibility with him. But other than that, if we know we're not included and authorized by heaven and given responsibility, it is a sin and it is an error, okay? And it's one that will procure to us more judgment and more condemnation toward us and more vengeance from God if we don't learn how to stay away from. Verse number two deals with the reemphasis that God himself is judged and that there is a judgment that will come from him that we must understand because if we don't understand that, we'll begin to take it upon ourselves to try to administer a sentence or an opinion or conclusions about others. Okay, which means that our eyes are not truly open and we're not sure. The only reason that we would take it upon ourselves to do these things toward others is if we're not sure that God is going to handle his business like he said he would, which means that we're not seeing things clearly. We're not truly perceiving with our eyes the judgment of God, okay, as if God is sleep or God is weak or God is passive or God is unrighteous, as if God is just so loving that he can't. Uh, deal with sin according to his righteousness, Uh, if we think that we're not seeing certain things and we're not sure, and as a result of not being sure, we get into error, the error of verse 1, praise God, which is taking upon ourselves to do something or to say something or to come to a conclusion about what we feel people deserve when we feel like God is forgotten or God is too slow or God is not going to give them what they deserve, okay? All right verse number 2 but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth That's important truth is reality okay against them which commit such things okay now that's the second time that that statement has been made look at verse number 32 who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things and then we go to Romans chapter 2 verse 2 but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So who are we talking about? We're talking about those who commit such things, okay? God is very, very, very observative of the habitual actions of people, okay? And so no one gets away, okay? The Bible says in verse 2, but we are sure that judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, okay? It is righteous. It is fair, okay? And thinketh thou this, O man, and I love this because the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to deal with mental strongholds or the reasoning of man or the things that will send man to hell, doctrines of demons that are established in the minds of man. And usually, listen, you guys, usually those things are instilled in us when we take it upon ourselves to think outside of agreement with God. So Paul deals with the mental stronghold in verse 3. He said, and thinketh thou this, O man, that judgeth them which do such thing and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. I want you to think about this. Even though it's a simple statement, it is so true and it is so deep. Okay? If we knew or if a person knew that the way that they thought, criticized, assessed, Uh, concluded, and had strong opinions about others and even vocalized those opinions, okay, Uh, in times when they have not been given the right and the authority to do those things, if they knew that they themselves would be judged the same way that they have judged others, would they do it? If they really believed that, would they do it? Of course they wouldn't do it because nobody's a kamikaze. Nobody uh, is suicidal when it comes to wanting to miss the kingdom and wanting to miss heaven. So why then do they do it then? Why do how can we know that God is judged and we know that it's not right in order to to conclude as it relates to others or to pass strong opinions when God does not give us authorization and we still do it. Okay. The reason is is that some way, somehow, we don't think that we ourselves will be judged as well. We think that we will escape God's judgment. We feel that somehow I'm authorized. Somehow I have the green light. Somehow I can say this and I can conclude this and I can operate in this way and not get in trouble for it. Okay? Somehow God loves me more than to do that to me. No, no, God loves me. God, God loves me. God will let me talk, God will let me criticize, God will let me gossip and avenge, God will let me condemn, and he won't. he won't hold me accountable because he loves me. He knows I'm trying, he knows I'm struggling, he knows I'm growing, he knows, well, the same thing is true about those people that we judge as well, and that we pass strong opinions against, and that we criticize, and that we condemn, okay? And so, Paul deals with a stronghold in verse number three, and it's the thought, it is the mindset that we can do such things and not be held accountable, okay. that we can do such things and God will give us a pass, that we can do such things and God will let us slide, Okay, which is not true. But that has to be the only reason that a person would do it because no one would choose that knowing that they would get the greater consequence or the greater uh, punishment in the end, okay? If I knew that it was going to backfire on me, and if I really believed that and saw that, I wouldn't do it. And so there has to be a thought pattern to think that the judgment of God would be escaped in this area. Praise God. Now, this is why repentance is so important. This is why Bible study is so important. This is why coming to the knowledge of the truth is so important. Because once we understand chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and how these things go, we can repent. We can bring these things to Christ. We can bring these ways to Christ. And we can say, Lord, I would have nothing to do with this ever again. Okay? Now that I have come into the knowledge of the truth, now that I know to do good, I'm going to do it now. Praise God. And then God will forgive us, and God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God as we accept the truth, accept the cross and we amend our ways. <clears throat> he said, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgeth them which do such thing and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Verse number four, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now, this is packed deep, this particular verse right here. And so he says, Or despisest thou, the riches okay or um, do you despise the riches okay now I, I want to take the time real briefly praise God we've got uh, just a few more minutes but I, I want to take the time to deal with this word despise okay because this word despise means to show contempt for or to dis, to have to 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 have this day or to think little of, or to think nothing of. It also means to disesteem. So instead of esteeming others, it means to disesteem backwards or to belittle others. So instead of honoring, it means to dishonor. Okay, And one specific definition means to think against, not in agreement with, Okay, not for, but to come against it in our thought life to despise it is to come against it in the way that we think. Okay. And so there is there is there is a truth that men have and men will and some still battle with today, thinking against okay. disesteeming, dishonor, thinking little of or thinking nothing of the riches of God's goodness. Okay? There's some people that despise his goodness, that think very little of it, okay? And we're going to see as we proceed to go on in this particular verse how big of a trap or how big of a detriment despising the goodness of God becomes to the soul, the stability, the common health, and the common wealth of every born-again believer and every soul that's been created on the planet Earth. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. Okay. Well, I want to thank you again, praise God, for your time and for this opportunity to build with you in the Word of God in our study of Romans chapter number one. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it be God's will, we will proceed in this study on Monday, 630 PM Central Standard Time. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Grace and peace be with you.